Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I have been anticipating this interview. Alan Lazaros is on the show today. We've had to move this a couple of times, scheduling and everything, but this is a real treat because Alan has an incredible amount of experience in a number of ways. So I'll say a couple things about him. He's the host He's a host of his own podcast, Next Level University. He's also the CEO of Next Level University, which we'll talk about. He's a peak performance business coach, and his podcast is actually over 850 episodes in over 120 countries across the globe, and it is one of the top top 100 uh, when you're thinking about self-development. So you absolutely want to go and check him out because you will learn. It's like going to school. You'll learn a ton from him and the guests that he has on his show. Um, I'm excited about Alan's story. I won't steal his thunder, but there have been some trials and tribulations that he's gone through that had some pivot points. I'd call them pivot points or maybe awakenings that has led him uh, further into this business and self-development space. So we'll talk about that today. And we'll just have a really authentic conversation about, you know, what it takes to have longevity in, in terms of being an entrepreneur, being motivated, staying excited. Um, Cause it's not easy. Uh, you know, I'll go so far as saying that that it's it's not easy, but when your heart is in the right place and you have focus, uh, you can persevere. So, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely excited about this one in particular, and I'm just going to say up front. So before I do anything, I always like to set an intention. And my intention is going to be to pull back the curtain for everyone about I, I've had a lot of success and I am very, very grateful for that. And this is really just the beginning in many ways because I'm only 33 years old, but I want to pull back the curtain on what it has really taken. And I'm going to ask all of the listeners and viewers to allow me to be more direct. My intention is to be very direct in my communication. I actually have it written on my whiteboard in the corner. That's my theme in the chapter I'm in in my life is I'm, I'm not someone who's going to sugarcoat anything. Uh, I'm very heart driven and hopefully that will be clear, but I'm also very direct and no BS, no BS. I'm going to talk about what it really has taken and what, 
what success really does require, but more importantly than success is, is fulfillment. So thank you so much for having me. And I love Born Unbreakable, um, the theme and the thesis. And so this is exciting. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I want to comment on a word that you said that I think will be thematic in our conversation and I think is vitally important. And it's the word fulfillment because there is a difference between success because we can have successful moments. We can achieve a milestone and acquire that amount of money or grow our business, but those are moments and fulfillment is something that is sustaining when you have a, a life and a mission and a vision that you can live up to on a daily basis. So there is a distinction. I just want to call that out. But I would love, Alan, if you could, I, I, I use the word pivots, you know, and I know that when you were two, your father passed away. I know that you had an accident at 26 that was life-changing. Could you talk about those pivotal moments in your life and, and what kind of awakening you had? Yeah. So the first thing to say up front is that I'm 33 years old now. And so when I tell this story, I need to make it clear up front that I didn't always have the same level of clarity. Uh, one of my heroes, Steve Jobs, said, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards, but you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future because that will give you the courage you need to follow your heart when it leads you off the well-worn path. And so I'm 33 now, so I will tell my story. I'm happy to do that. But I want everyone to understand that the clarity that I have on my past is through tons of repetition and tons of recontemplating it. And I am more clear on it now than I was at 32. And I'm going to be more clear on it when I'm 34 than I am now at 33, because I consistently contemplate it and re-understand it at a deeper level. And I connect many, many dots. I've connected one recently that I was like, blew my mind. So I'll start out with where my life started, which was I was two years old. I had an older sister who was three years older than me. So she was six. I was almost three. And uh, I had a mom and a dad and my dad passed away in a car accident, as you mentioned. So I was raised by two women. I had an older sister who took good care of me and, and a mother. And I did have a stepfather from age three to 14. And my stepdad left when we were 14. And that's kind of a whole nother story. But one of the pivotal pieces in my life that, again, in hindsight, this is clear to me at the time, I did not know that this was what was driving me. I was seven years old and my mom sat me down and she had this very awesome way of explaining things to me, which she always focused on explaining things to me. And now I realize, you know, how important that is in hindsight. She said, Alan, you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. But if you aim high and you're a CEO, you can wake up one day and suddenly decide to be a farmer. It does not work the other way around. And so she said, aim high and you'll have choices. And I've had some really dark moments in my life. I've had some really hard times, health challenges, family challenges in particular, uh, my own challenges with alcohol and things like that. But I always aimed high, always. And I always strived to achieve as much as I could. And I always had choices. And most importantly, I always had a bright future. And so that's really going to be thematic in this episode as well. So fast forward, I am 10 years old or so, 10 or 11. And we're driving in my mom's old, older black BMW. And uh, we're driving in Worcester, Massachusetts and in the US. 
and we drive past my alma mater. It was called Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's kind of like a mini MIT for, it's an engineering school primarily. And my uncle Merle at the time was the track and field coach there. As a matter of fact, he's since passed away and they actually named the track and field Norcross Field, Merle Norcross. But I'm 10 at the time and my mom said, Alan, you're really smart. You're really good at math. People who are really good at math go there. You could be an engineer. Engineers make a lot of money. Um, You should go to WPI. And so she planted that dream in my heart. And I, from that moment on, had that dream to go to WPI one day and, um, you know, be an engineer and have choices again, have choices. Because by the way, my mom didn't feel like she had many choices with two children and she was a stay at home mom when my father passed away. And so she wished she had taken her academics more seriously. And so now here I am, if you're watching the video, I've got all these awards behind me. And so I took academics very seriously. So fast forward, she said, Alan, I'm going to take a chance on you. I was about to go into high school and it was in seventh grade. And she said, it's seventh grade summer. She said, Alan, I'm going to take a chance on you. She said, I'm going to let you take eighth grade off, which was the tail end of middle school before high school. You don't have to, you still have to go to school. Obviously, legally, I still had to go to school as a kid, but you don't have to try. Up to this point, I was all A's, maybe a couple B's, really good student and good student, right? And she said, don't, you don't have to try. Just, just go have fun. Just go have fun. But you have to promise me that you'll get the president's award in high school. So the president's award in high school at the time, and I have a, uh, I have it behind me. It's it's signed by George Bush. But uh, she said the president's award is you have to get a ninety five or above GPA for every report card all of high school. So straight A's basically. So all of high school I worked, and I got one B plus. It was an 89 in honors English for all of high school, one B plus. And so I was a straight A student, you know, eighth in my class. And I was the obnoxious guy at the award ceremony that never sat down, just kept calling my name. Right. And that's all well and good, but I got my dream. I I achieved my dream of going to WPI and I got financial aid and scholarships, fortunately, because at the time when my stepdad left, we were very, very, um, we didn't have a lot of income at all. So I go to WPI, I'm an electrical and computer engineer, I get my degree, I graduate with high distinction, and I eventually go into the corporate world. So I worked for a bunch of companies. I I worked for iRobot uh, in the marketing team and product management team there. I worked for a company called Oz Development, software company. I worked for a company called Sensata Technologies, which uh, used to be Texas Instruments. I worked for um, a company called Tyco Safety Products, all these different companies. So I'm an engineer at the time, and I realized that I love people, and I'm a good communicator. And again, my hero is Steve Jobs. And at the time, my main goal, my main achievement, again, aim high, you'll have choices. There's a reason Steve Jobs was my hero. I remember being in macroeconomics class and seeing uh, the YouTube video of the 2005 Stanford Address. This was in like 2010, I think. And I literally got up, and I left the class, and I was like, okay, I'm done with this class now. And I went and started a little company called Campus Libre, my first tech company I ever started. And me and the CEO of that company ended up having a falling out, even though we were successful right out of the gate. At this point, I'm really questioning my life. I'm like, okay, I want to be a Fortune 50 CEO of a tech company like my hero, Steve Jobs. And um, here I am. I'm That Campus Libre thing didn't work out, which was super painful. And I'm behind a desk now. I'm an engineer. I'm designing circuits. 
I'm going to go get my MBA. So I get my master's in business and then I go into corporate again. And I lived in LA for a short time for like a three month period. I worked at a bunch of different companies. I eventually landed at a company called Cognex. Uh, Cognex, I started an inside sales team there, sales engineers, and then I get promoted to outside sales. Eventually, I manage a territory. So at this point, I'm in my early 20s and I'm making almost $200,000 per year. I paid off $84,000 worth of debt in one year back in 2014. And I just, you know, made an investment portfolio and I was off to the races. Again, still shooting for my main dream of being a Fortune 50 CEO. So that was always the, the true north for me. And I'm up in New Hampshire with my little cousin. We were playing Call of Duty. We weren't partying or anything. And my little cousin's 17 at the time. I'm 26 at the time. And I remember driving to TGI Fridays. And I've got uh, the GPS. And this is a cold winter night back in 2015. And in 2015, it was one of those horrible winters where the snow banks in New Hampshire were actually ab above the signs. And there was a yield sign that the snowbank was covering. I was supposed to yield. I didn't. I ended up on the wrong side of the road and I was looking down at the GPS. I looked up and I saw what I thought was a Mack truck. Now in a moment where I'm 10 feet from what I think is a Mack truck and I'm in this little car, I'm like, there's no possibility that I'm going to survive this. And so for anyone who's had a life or death situation, it's like inexplicable if you've never experienced it, but it was, it was that moment of there's no, no version. This is it. There's no chance I make it. Fortunately, okay, it was not a Mack truck. It was a lift kitted pickup truck, like a really high lift kit in New Hampshire. There's a lot of pickup trucks with lift kits. And I was driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat, which I used to call the tank. I bought it in $5,000 cash and it's a German engineered steel trap. I used to call it a, the tank. And so fortunately, both airbags deployed. My cousin and I were okay physically. He hurt his knee on the airbag. I hurt my face. But I'm telling you, so my father passed away in a car accident when he was 28. I'm 26 at the time, and I've seen the pictures of my dad's car, and I've seen the pictures of mine, and I usually in my speeches will show the picture. It's This is not a fender bender. I mean, my car is beyond totaled, and they don't look very different. And so I grew up my whole life hearing stories about John, and so the fact that I almost just died in a car accident just like my father rattled me beyond what I could possibly explain in a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so physically, I, we were okay. And, and my little cousin was fine. He was like tweeting about it, whatever, invincibility, teenage years. And I'm emotionally, mentally, and spiritually rattled. I mean, even though I'm physically okay, I was just completely, inexplicably just rattled. I'm sitting in an armchair at my cousin's house drinking whiskey, contemplating my entire life. I am so shaken. And now I refer to it as, as sometimes life is going to shake your snow globe. And sometimes it takes time for the snow to like land, the truth to land. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it shook me so much. I had regret. I was questioning who I was as a man. Did I, did I love enough? Did I live enough? Did I make good choices? Did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish? Right. And so I had my midlife crisis at 26 and I'm very, very grateful for that now, obviously, fortunately with no debilitating, debilitating long-term consequences. Although 
I will say this, we talk a lot about PTSD and that was very real. Double yellow lines scared me for a long time. I kept getting pulled over because I was on the wrong side of the road. I got claustrophobic and couldn't walk through doors for a short time. But there's also something called post-traumatic growth. And that is where this story goes. You cannot see the stars during the day. They are always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply couldn't within the light. That is, uh, I wear this true north around my neck. For anyone on video, they can see it's a north star. It's a guide. And I saw two stars that I had never seen before when I was in the dark of contemplation and, and regret. One is Tony Robbins' TED Talk. So regardless of what you think of Tony, his TED Talk is unbelievable. Best TED Talk ever done, in my opinion. Definitely watch it if you haven't. Two, and more importantly, there's a woman by the name of Bronnie Ware from Australia who wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Now, what a quote-unquote coincidence. I almost just died, and I'm in regret, and I notice a star I'd never seen before because I'm in the dark, so I can see the star now. The book was always there. It was always famous, right? Not always, but at least for the, the last decade. Mm -hmm. And I notice the top five regrets of the dying. Hmm, I pick up the book. The number one regret of the dying, to this day, I have a flashcard in my pocket right now with all five regrets. The number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. And so for me, I always aimed high. I always wanted to achieve. I always wanted choices. I always wanted to be successful. And I was successful, quote unquote, beautiful girlfriend, more money than I need by far. One of my checks was 12 grand bi-weekly. And I achieved the six figures right out of college and all that stuff. Graduate with distinction, top tier institution, MBA, all that. And that is all valid and that's all great. And I don't want to pretend that it's not. But what I was not doing was living a life true to myself. And I wasn't living in what I now refer to as my calling. And I was not optimizing for fulfillment. So I've actually gotten a chance to interview Bronnie Ware uh, on the podcast, which is so cool because this was like four years later. And I was total fanboy on that episode. But that's really the, the message is who better to learn from than people that were terminally ill that Bronnie was taking care of and she noticed the same regrets over and over and over again. And the number one regret of the dying of the terminally ill is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. And so that after that, I mean, I just decided I was like, sometimes it takes getting to hell no to go all the way in on hell yes. And after that, I was just so unreasonably obsessed with what I now refer to as the maximization triad. Three things, super simple. Number one, maximizing my own unique potential. That is by far number one, most important to me, always has been even when I didn't know it. Number two, maximizing my own unique greatest level of contribution. So maximize my potential, number one. Number two, using that to contribute. Number three, wasn't always good at this one. <laughs> maximizing my own unique quality of life. And so mastery, impact, and profitability. Master your craft, impact people with it, become profitable, increase the quality of your life so that you can keep that cycle going. And now I'm writing a book called Optimizing for Fulfillment. And fulfillment is a byproduct of the soul's recognition of alignment with its true calling, with its highest self, with its greatest level of mastery, impact, and profitability, with its greatest level of potential. And so now that's what I do is I, I am focused on one main thing, which is maximizing my potential, helping others do the same in a profitable way. And I went all in on that after 26. And here I am at 33. And 
I really appreciate the intro. I appreciate the 120 countries and the top 100 podcast and a podcast every day and 800 episodes. And, you know, we're about to surpass a half million in revenue as a podcast. That's really good. It's awesome. It's all awesome. But it's the least relevant part. The most relevant part is what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis and what I started doing after 26 and even before that in terms of work ethic and achievement. So that's my story and uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it's, it's It blows me away. It does. It really does. There's There's so much that you said in there. I know as people are listening that their jaw dropped or their head shaking and they're thinking about what that moment was like for you when you had, you reconsidered everything. And, you know, maybe for some people, it wasn't something as scary as a car, you know, a car accident, but there's those moments of darkness before you see the light. And the fact that you reference Bronnie Ware is, is incredible because I talk about that book probably in a several different episodes um, and, and encourage people to, to read it uh, because as I, I mentioned to you, my message is for people to be unapologetically who they are. And it is a challenge. When you think about our upbringing, like you mentioned, a great mom and aiming high, that came from her. That's that's amazing. We have wonderful influences in our life from our parents to our friends and family, to our teachers, our mentors. And some some people are fortunate enough to have a lot of these great mentors. Uh, But there are moments when you are living your life and questioning if you're living it on your terms or you're living it on the terms of other people. And that's a reconciliation process, I think, that people go through at different at different points and and maybe even more than once, um, arguably, as you know, the longer that you're on the earth here. Um, but I want to, you know, go back to what you said when, when you said, you know, you you have this relentless pursuit of, you know, you had this shift and you went all in and, and, you know, we, we hear about the accomplishments and the accolades, but what was the start of next level university? Like where, where was that epiphany and, you know, how did it all come into fruition? So. Uh, and I appreciate it. And I think that the authenticity thing, I just want to say one quick thing on that. When you said that being unapologetically you is a challenge, I would say it's the challenge. It's the greatest challenge. A lot of people talk about, oh, I don't care what people think. And I mean, so few people actually don't. And and <laughs> uh, I'll just say this quick before I move forward. I have so many clients uh, from all over the world. I, I have 20 in between group coaching and one-on-one coaching and then relationship talks coaching with Emilia plus the 14-person team that I coach, I'm leading like 55 or so people right now. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is not to talk about me, but to say that if I, I just surpassed my thousandth coaching call like a month ago, you just have such an insight into so many lives from so many backgrounds, from so many countries, from so many cultures, from so many ethnicities that you realize that there's so many commonalities and one of them is a is a just a sheer fear of judgment. There's a reason why people post certain things on Snapchat or Instagram but they would never post it on Facebook. And it it is it's your judgmental relatives. I know you've told yourself a story that it's not that, but it it is the fact that your family's on there. I mean, oh, yeah. if we were live on Facebook right now, 
even me with all these episodes and all this public life would still have trouble because mommy might be watching, right? So it's just in our nature. And so I don't think it's a challenge to be yourself. I think it is the challenge. And I just wanted to say that first. To transition to your other question, how did Next Level University actually start? Um, I'll take you, when I was in Cognex, I used to sell in, in industrial automation equipment into manufacturing facilities. So Vermont, Connecticut, and um, Western Mass was my territory. And I would go into these manufacturing facilities and I would see these old pictures on the wall of all these workers and the way the factories used to run. And now it's all robots and automation and one floor manager. And that was the person I was talking to typically. And I would sell these cameras that have software that would do quality assurance. So if this water bottle was going down a line at 100 per minute or whatever, it would take photos and test and make sure everything was proper, properly manufactured. And the better I did, which I was doing very well, the the less jobs there were for people that were used to do the actual quality assurance. Like they, they used to have people actually inspecting these items. And so automation is coming, technology is coming. There's nothing any of us can do about that. And it's actually a good thing. But what I will say is that I noticed this huge problem. And I, I told you up front that I was going to be direct. So I'm just going to work on that. The truth of the matter is that statistically speaking, the less educated part of the population has children earlier and more children. Statistically speaking, this is just data. Versus some of the more educated population tends to have less children and have them much later. And so the exponential growth of the less educated population is increasing more exponentially than the educated part of the population, globally speaking, statistically speaking. And so I saw this huge problem because when you go into a Panera, so if you've never been into a Panera, think of think of your grocery store. I mean, COVID has only accelerated this, right? I'm a, I'm a technologist, I'm electrical and computer engineering, so I see all this happening. You know, eventually every grocery store will have no workers in it. It will just be the self-checkout with cameras and, and, you know, automation is coming and it's coming fast. The moment there's a self-driving car that is safe enough for the market, the trucking industry is going to shift. You know, I have a mentor who just sold robotics into some companies I can't mention that, that used to be a 3,000 people doing this work. Those 3,000 people that need the jobs those jobs, so this is the, the trend. If What happens if the people who need the jobs most are increasing in population exponentially, but the jobs are decreasing exponentially? So I foresaw this huge issue in the world. Mm -hmm. And I was actually a part of the problem because I was selling industrial automation equipment. And so while I believe in technology and love that, it was hard for me to witness these people who need these jobs get their jobs taken because I'm selling equipment that does it better, faster, doesn't get sick that whole deal. And so here's my point. You go into a Panera and you type on a kiosk and you don't talk to anyone. And then you have, I've been to one where the, the food just shows up and then you ring the little buzzer and you go get your food. And so the amount of workers required to run a business is exponentially decreasing. Instagram was sold for a billion dollars with 12 employees to Facebook. Think about 40 years ago. 40 years ago, a billion dollar company would have at least 5,000 employees, if not more. And so how can 12 employees create a billion dollars worth of value? The digital world is the reason. And so 
I saw this huge issue of the uneducated population desperately needs help. And so here's what I did. I went on a mission. I, ha- I created a company called Alan Lazarus LLC. And my slogan was what you'll never learn in school, but desperately need to know. WPI, one of the top technical institutions in the world, all my friends from WPI, all becoming multimillionaires. All my friends from home, from high school that didn't go into tech, living paycheck to paycheck, right? Or not doing that well, I should say. That scared me, right? I'm an electrical engineer. I get offered jobs every day, every month, every week on LinkedIn. I'm getting messages still, right? And the answer is no. (laughs) But anyways, so the point is, is that the world has transformed. It's changed. And we didn't learn in school what we actually need to know. And it bothered me. So that's where a podcast was born. I wanted to educate people on what it is going to require if they want to have choices in their future. And so I created a podcast called Conversations Change Lives. I tried to figure out, okay, what made the difference in my life? It was like great conversations with really intelligent people. Even in college, I used to like debate with all the smartest minds I could find. And in hindsight, that's paid off so much. It's wild. But then I ended up having Kevin on my show because he loved to have deep conversations too. Kevin's my current co-host. And he had a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. And he had me on his show. And he grew up without a father as well. And, and we connected so deeply. And eventually, we started to link up every week. And we, we were doing the, the Hyperconscious Podcast Meets Conversations Change Lives podcast, which is a terrible name. <laughs> and so we eventually go all in on the Hyperconscious Podcast. And then 450 episodes in, we went all in on that. And uh, eventually we rebranded to Next Level University. And so now we are Next Level University. We are, you brush your teeth every day, you can improve every day. And we are self-improvement in your pocket, health, wealth, and love every day from anywhere on the planet, completely free. And we have an entire 24 layered business model underneath all of that. And it's all awesome. But that's how it was born. It was born from understanding that the the root cause of all human suffering is ignorance and apathy. People either don't know any better or they don't care enough or some combination of both. And so I'm on a mission to cure that to the very best of my ability, not only in myself, but in the world. Alan, that is a badassery at its finest. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so there's so much in that that is incredibly respectable. Number one is the sheer compassion that you have for recognizing statistically the problem that we face on the globe. And so not just admiring that, but taking action to say, what can I do as one person to make it to make a difference? because you can. Secondly, you're, is a meeting of the minds. You know, you get with a person or people or the right team and you can accelerate your goals even further. So you, you had that momentum, Kevin had that momentum and you came together and you, and then was born, you know, something even bigger then, I mean, is this bigger than what you had imagined? Is this exactly where you thought you'd be? Like, how do you feel about this? Uh, this is, I'm so, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, um, people ask me often, like, what are you most proud of? And, and so we are making a lot of money now and I'm very, very grateful for that because I remember in the early part of the journey, uh, Kevin and I were in debt and 
bootstrapping and I was landscaping on the side for extra cash. It was just nothing short of absolutely brutal. But now we're making good money and it's all awesome. And Emilia, my girlfriend, she always asks me great questions. What are you most proud of? What I'm most proud of is the way we make our money. You know, we have a podcast production agency who helps self-improvement podcasts. We have 18 podcasts that we produce right now, and they're all in self-improvement, which is the solution, in my opinion, to the to these problems. And, you know, I have my coaching business and I coach people all over the world that are aligned, integrous people. And so I'm mo- more proud of the way we make our money than anything else. But to sort of get back to what you were saying is, is this bigger than I had imagined? Um, I told you I'd be direct and I'd be explicit. And and one of my big fears is appearing arrogant. Um, and I'm trying to get over that because the truth is, no, I, it's not bigger than I thought it would be. Um, I, I do struggle with, and I want to be transparent about this. I didn't realize this until my girlfriend helped me with it. Self-confidence and has never really been a huge issue for me. And I think that will be apparent to anyone who's listening. Um, and if that's unrelatable, I apologize. I, I just don't, I don't know. Things have always come fairly naturally to me. Um, you know, I, I, I've always achieved anything I ever set my mind to genuinely, even when everyone told me I couldn't. Right. But self-worth, uh, was, was the issue. And so, so I think of it this way, self-belief is, I know I can build this mansion. I know I can do it. It, it give me enough time and enough virtue and enough effort and enough work and I can do it. That I have 10 out of 10, honestly. I don't struggle with that. But once the mansion's built, I let people come in and host a frat party. That was my issue. My issue growing up was really not being discerning with who I associate with. And after 26, I woke up, luckily, and... um started to only associate with people who who truly were aspirational and and who believed in a brighter future and who were working toward it. Um, and so to answer your original question, no, it's not bigger than I thought it would be. It's actually much smaller than I think it will be. <laughs> um, um, I think we're behind in many regards. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us, but we're only barely scratching the surface. I mean, we're put it this way. Uh, we had more listens in, in yesterday than we did the entirety of the first year. Wow. And so it's accelerating the acceleration and and I'm really grateful. Um, but we're projected in my consciousness, what's truly possible. We're projected for hundred million by 2030 and that's on the low end. And so we're starting a software company and we, so, so to be direct, I didn't realize this. Kevin helped me understand this. He said, Alan, the reason you appear so arrogant to other people is because what they are hoping you are calculating. I'll tell this story briefly. We were in Florida and we were like 240 episodes in and we were driving home from Southern Florida and we were living in Florida at the time with one of my business mentors at the time up in Jacksonville, Florida. And we were driving home and it was a long day. I mean, that's an understatement. And we're driving home and it's late at night and we're listening to nostalgic music. I think it was stained or something. And the the sun uh, was setting and it was beautiful. And Um, I remember Kevin turning to me and it was like this really beautiful nostalgic moment where he's like, you know, man, with all the work we're doing, like if this would really suck, if this like didn't work out (laughs) and and we still, we still laugh and we joke about this because I, I turned to him and and I'll be candid. I'm not kidding. I said, Kevin, I've 
never considered that once. I've never even, I said, of course it will. Like, and I know that that sounds unrelatable. Kevin's helped me understand, like no one calculates that, right? So, so based on my calculations, we're actually behind. So I'm, I'm surprised it's taken so long, (laughs) right? 850 episodes. Um, it's been a journey. So no, no, this is not bigger than I thought it would be. This is far smaller than I know it will be. And, and I told you I'd be direct. So hopefully, hopefully that lands. Your, your candor. I love that, you know, and, and here's the thing about it. It's, you can't accomplish what you've accomplished and calculate without having a certain level of confidence. You know, I mean, that takes, that takes confidence. And so I, if anything, I hope that anybody who is listening is inspired by that because, because much of the time, I think I mentioned this to you, um, you know, in a pre-conversation that we were having is, is fear there. People have fear. People have lack of confidence. There's someone said something, some event happened and it triggers you and it stops you, debilitates you and keeps you from thinking big, dreaming big, or you do get to a certain point of success and you say, okay, it can't get any better than this. Like that's impossible. So there are a lot of conditioning, you know, that occurs in some ways that have to be undone to get to the maximum potential that you're talking about. I don't know. I don't think that anybody is listening to a born unbreakable self-development podcast because they're just excited about complacency, excited about stagnation. I think they're here today listening because they, they want more. They are, and you should not be ashamed for wanting more, whether that is financially, you know, spiritually, intellectually, uh, in, in all of the areas that you, that you might want that. So I just want to acknowledge that because, you know, I, we all have to consider our own confidence, our ego, and it, it plays into how we do things hour to hour, minute to minute, you know, every day. So, you know, I, I appreciate you being so honest. Thank you for that. It's, it's, that's always been challenging for me. Um, because I think that, uh, when, when it's a big mirror for people who aren't confident, uh, and that's okay. It's okay. I I have fears and I have struggles. I, I will tell you, I was afraid for sure to lose my friends. I was afraid for sure to outgrow my family. I was, uh, and many of those things have come true. Um, and I was in interesting way afraid of success because of all that. So fear of failure was not my issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I know your, many of your listeners struggle with fear of failure, but it wasn't until I figured out that my fear was success. You know, it is not our darkness, but our light that most frightens us that, that really powerful quote. And for me, that's definitely the case. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I wear this true North is because, I mean, even on this episode, I mean, you know, there's this, this, this fear that if I shine super bright, Mm -hmm. that people will judge me and hate me. And the truth is, is some people will, and you might not like me and I have to learn how to be okay with that. And, but that doesn't mean that I'm not here to serve and I'm not here to help you. And I know that I can, I 
I do it every day, you know? So. Yeah. So I want to talk about your, you know, because you talked about alignment and, you know, working, you making a conscientious decision to work with people that you want to work with, that you want to help. So I, I want to know who that is because there's people who are listening right now that are looking for that mentorship. They're looking for that coaching. They're looking for the thing that's going to take them next level, you know, to the next level of their, of their life, of their business, of their relationships, you know, all the kinds of things that you cover. And I do think it's important in that journey for people to choose somebody that there is alignment. That's how you, you know, accomplish things. So who, who is your ideal candidate for coaching, whether it's you personally or, you know, somebody within your team in your, to, to come to your, one of your programs. So, uh, thank you for that. And, and, uh, let me, I'll say this. So my girlfriend and I, more her than me, her idea, but I helped her co-create this. We have something called the C33 Evolve Score, and it, it tests you on 33 facets of your personality. And they all begin with C. So contemplation, consciousness, choices, um, commitment, courage, charisma, all these different facets of your, and there's 33 of them. They all begin with C and Hey, complacency is not one of them. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, that an ideal candidate in a way, there is no ideal candidate, but I can give you what I believe to be the most ideal. I have one client and I'll just shout him out and celebrate him. Uh, his name's Cam, 24 years old, super humble, so open to guidance, unreasonably hardworking. And the dude is just a good guy. He's a really good guy. And he's always wanted to be a good guy. And he always has been a good guy. He just didn't have the right guidance. And I'm teaching him what I wish I knew at 24. And I'll tell you what, like, I can't, I can't wave magic fairy dust and make him successful overnight. But I'll tell you what, if I had to put money on him being successful, I mean, he's got, he's got the C's, he's got the 33, he's got the evolve score. He evolves, he adapts, he grows such, su such a compound effect. And so, uh, an ideal client for me is someone who wants to do the maximization triad. I told you about someone who truly doesn't just say it, but really does want to maximize their potential, unique potential really does want to contribute beyond themselves sincerely not pretending but actually does and and acts that way when no one's watching that's the key and then third is is you know wants to improve the quality of their life so that they can do one and two even more that's an ideal aligned client for me my girlfriend and i in our house we have three words they're uh, the three main core values of our relationship and we have a business built on that as well uh, we just started a podcast as well called the conscious couples podcast first episode was our love story which was really cool but anyway, so um, these three words are above the sort of opening to our kitchen and it's optimize, align is in the center and then erudite. And so optimize is something referred to in coding as an optimal stopping problem. So for example, you know, there, how can you be as productive as possible? So uh, okay, there's something is grinding too hard, but there's also something is grinding not enough. So what's the optimal stopping of the right amount of grinding for your own unique uh, level you're playing at, right? So that's optimized. Align is core aspirations, core values, core beliefs. And I owe that to my girlfriend. Best framework of all time, right? You go into a mall, 
and you see the map and it says big red arrow. You are here. Perfect. Perfect. This is where I start. Okay. The Apple store is up the elevator and at the other side of the mall. Apple store is here. Most people wonder why their life isn't working out. It's like you don't know where you are because your self-awareness is too low because we weren't taught anything on self-awareness. No one took mm -hmm. a self-awareness course, which is so unfortunate. Right. And then on top of that, you don't know where you want to go. You don't even know the life you really want. And you're aiming too low and, and, and you don't know how to get there. Even if you did know where you are and where you want to go, what if you don't know how to get there? And so it's called the GPS, and we do this for our relationship talks clients. Uh, we coach married couples, couples, and uh, it's called the the GPS. And there's one for the intimate relationship and for each individual. But it really comes down to core aspirations, core values, core beliefs. Super simple. Core aspirations, and all all of this is under the aligned category, by the way. Core aspirations are who do you aspire to be? What do you aspire to achieve? Um, what's your mission? What's your mission really? Right. So, so I'll give you one example. So, so Kevin and I's mission is to have the most successful, holistic self-improvement podcast in terms of positive impact in history. We never really get there, but we're never really going to stop. Right. So that's the mission. Now bring that down to an annual goal. Okay. We want over a million listens this year. Okay. Bring that to the five-year goal. Okay. We want 20 million listens by the end of five years. Right. So, and we've all extrapolated this out. We've got all the numbers. So that's a line. Core aspirations is the first one. Core values. Core values is how you show up in the present. So what's a core value? Personal development for me is obviously a core value. That's why I read books constantly, right? I was on the phone with a client yesterday. They told me a book they recommended. I bought it right then. They're like, wow, you take action fast. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait. Like, let's do it right now. Yeah, right now. And so core values is about how you show up in the present. Are you respectful? Do you value personal development or just pretend to? Do you value fitness or just pretend to because you have the nice gym outfit, right? Mm. And then core beliefs. Core beliefs are the acorn. The acorn is like if you've ever seen the movie Inception, it's, it's the one idea that is you. For me, my acorn is maximizing my unique potential and helping others do the same. Every single thing I do and don't do is predicated on that acorn. And so core beliefs, core values, core aspirations, that's alignment and that's your original question. The third one is erudite. Erudite is a word that means being obsessed with learning. It's knowledge. You just need to know. Emilia and I, when we first met two, two years ago, uh, probably two years and a quarter now, uh, I made this joke. I said, I don't want to know. I effing need to know. I'm, I'm kind of like a Sherlock Holmes. I just have to understand. Mm -hmm. Quick story about this. We were in Florida, me, my business partner, Emilia, and her business partner, Bianca. And we were at this event. WhatsApp went down. We were trying to talk to our team. Mm -hmm. We use WhatsApp. Yeah. Facebook was down. We were trying to post, couldn't post. And uh, Instagram was down. Right. And it's like, oh my God, the internet's not working. Did they shut down our internet at this event? Did they not allow us? We're like checking the venue. We're seeing like, how is this possible? Is it we do just have bad signal? Oh, Facebook owns all three of those companies. Facebook owns all three of those companies. So of course they're all down. We thought, did they shut our phones off? Does that technology even exist? And that was when Kevin and Bianca got to realize like Emilia and Alan cannot not know. I have to know what happened yeah because 
that's where all the gold is. The gold is buried underneath figuring things out, right? There's a reason you go to the mechanic. The mechanic knows how to rebuild the engine even better than take it apart, rebuild it better. I don't know much about cars. I can't garden worth anything. I don't know how to cook. But when it comes to human beings, when it comes to achievement and achieving your dreams, when it comes to fulfillment, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to holistic self-improvement, I have to know. Hmm. And that's erudite. I'm reading economics books, you know, before bed that are the most boring books in the world. I have to know as much as possible. And so that's erudite. And so those are the three core values that Emilia and I live by every single day, optimize, align, and erudite. And core aspirations, core values, core beliefs. And that's really sort of the the true north star, so to speak, um, to answer your question. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, and you're living it because you're looking at it every day, right? You're you're every being day. reminded of what your values are. And I think that's, you know, anybody listening can relate to having what those are for you. You know, how does that show up? And going through that values exercise, um, I always, you know, like to choose, like you have your word that you just talked about. I mean, I think, I think there's so much power in those kind of exercises, you know, choosing your word, sticking with your values, having values as a team, having values as a couple. Um, so there's a lot of power in that. But I want to ask you a couple of questions that will help people to get to know you more. Um, they have already learned so much, but um, why not? Why not a little bit further? Um, and since we started the episode, and I and I use the word fulfillment, you said it. What? Let's come back to that for just a second. I know you 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 know you mentioned the soul uh, alignment. Can you just say a little bit more about what fulfillment looks like for you, especially when you're coaching someone? and they're looking for that, like what is fulfillment that you experience and want to see of those clients that you are working with every day? So I'll start it with fulfillment is my favorite thing to talk about. I I definitely love to talk about business and productivity and scale and all that stuff. But I like to talk about fulfillment most because I think it is what's most important. If there's one thing this world needs more, it's more fulfilled human beings. And we weren't taught how to become fulfilled. And so there's that story of John Lennon had a teacher give an assignment of what do you want to be when you get older? And when he was a little kid and he said happy and the teacher said, you didn't understand the assignment. And he said, you don't understand life. And while I like that story and we've all probably heard it, it's, it's very, I would say it's not deep enough happiness, right? It's such a, no one really knows what that even means. Uh, Cause okay, when you eat a donut, it feels good. Does that mean you're happy? So to me, there's something that I call uh, the fulfillment framework and, and it's called a pyramid of fulfillment and it's what I'm writing my book on. And it, there's five levels to it. You know, next level university, it's about how do you get to the pinnacle? And then when you get to the pinnacle, don't forget about the foundation because you're in trouble if you do. But it, the bottom is is physical needs. You know, the the next layer is physical, mental, and emotional needs. The next layer is mostly emotional needs. And then eventually you get to the top two layers, which is maximizing your potential and your greatest level of contribution. And it's sort of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but I think it's a a better 21st century, more practical, applicable version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm biased, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, f- fulfillment is a formula. Yeah. And 
I think that what we think happiness is, is actually three separate things. The first one is joy. Um, being in the moment and enjoying what you do. So I'm enjoying this conversation with you. So I'm in joy and I'm in the moment, the present moment. Mm -hmm. But you can enjoy something and not be fulfilled, right? So, so the second thing is pleasure. Pleasure is sort of if then. If this podcast goes well, then I'll be happy and get a dopamine hit. Like, yeah, yeah I did a good job. Fulfillment though. Fulfillment is different. Fulfillment can last. So even if this podcast, I did terrible, right? And after it, I feel bad. I can still be fulfilled as a person because I'm going to learn and grow. So mm -hmm. fulfillment comes from the maximization triad, which is growing, contributing, and your quality of life. And those can be something you incrementally level up by becoming a better human being and by serving the world at a greater level and by getting in more of alignment. And so in, in one sentence, fulfillment is the soul's recognition of alignment with its highest potential, its highest level of contribution, and its highest quality of life. In in practice, though, I mean, I have a pyramid with, I think there's 19 categories. Um, and so I have this assessment that I do with my clients where I have them rate themselves from zero to 10 in each of the 19 categories in this pyramid of fulfillment. And then, you know, we identify the bottleneck. It's like, okay, if you're only sleeping two hours a night, no matter how much money you have, you're yeah. going to feel like the sky is falling. Yeah. Right. So you can't be fulfilled and sleep two hours a night. That's not a thing. And so one more little quick story. I'm in my early 20s and I will I will say this um I grew up with some serious challenges and traumas and I I think that in my young life I I was very tenacious so take this with a grain of salt. My mom said, "Why do you value intelligence so much? Like what what's the big deal? Like Alan, why do you care about it?" I said, "Mom, intelligence is so critical because that's how you figure things out and that's how you live a a a great life." And I said, mom, I'm trying to figure out, and I'll, I'll preface this first, provide context. I grew up in an environment where people said to me, I had a, my stepdad left at 14. We went from customizing a quarter million dollar yacht to I get free lunch at school now because we have no income. So it was, you know, father passing away, challenges, trauma, you know, I had some really good things in my childhood too. I want to be clear about that, but it was definitely a, a roller coaster. And I remember people telling me, Alan, these are the best years of your life. When I was in high school, these are the best years of your life. I remember going, oh my God, I hope not. <laughs> right? I remember being like, there's no way. There's no way these are the best <laughs> years of my life. No chance, right? And and of course, I'm planning for the future. Bright future. Steve Jobs is my hero. Fortune 50 CEO. Life is about choices. My future has always been bright. I've always worked hard for a bright future. And I just, I remember thinking to myself, like, there's no way high school, the best years of my life, which by the way, for anyone who's younger listening, I'm 33. No, H hell no. <laughs> oh my God. High school was brutal, right? Yeah. It had its good fun. What they're really saying is I have too many responsibilities. I don't like responsibility. I haven't gotten better. And I wish I was back in high school when the right. glory days were fun. Exactly. Right. And it's like, yeah. yeah, but you, they don't say that. They just say, these are the best years of your life. So I looked around and I got scared. And I'm going to be transparent, okay? I grew up in a small town and it was small-minded. And it used to be hard for me to say that, but it's just the God honest truth. And I remember looking around and I saw so many unfulfilled human beings. And I don't, I used to be shy about this, but I'm just going to say it. I saw unfulfilled marriages with unfulfilled people in unfulfilling careers. And I'm telling you, I saw what that did. I saw that, what that did alcohol, drugs, blah, blah, blah. 
I saw what unfulfillment does. And I knew, I told my mom in my early 20s, I said, you want to know why intelligence matters? I said, mom, I'm trying to figure out the formula. I'm a big math guy, engineer. I'm trying to figure out the formula to not end up old and miserable like everybody else. And I know that sounds hardcore and it is. That's what I've been doing my whole life. That's why I'm writing a book on fulfillment because my whole life was I know there's a formula. I know there's a way to not end up miserable. Everyone around me seemed so unhappy, especially in marriages. Yes. And we wonder why the divorce rate is so high, right? I'm I'm in the most fulfilled relationship. We literally two years coming up on almost three. So we're coming up on two and a half really. And we've never fought once. I know this sounds insane. I'm telling you, I would not have believed it either. We've <laughs> had challenging moments. Yes. But we've never fought. My girlfriend told me, she said, Alan, people who fight, they think there's a winner and a loser. But when you fight, everyone loses. We're never going to fight. And I remember thinking to myself, like, we're never going to fight. Like, I want to be with you forever. <laughs> right? Possible. Like, what? what? I grew up in, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I grew up in. There was a fight or two, right? A lot. There's a couple couple raising of voices and maybe a few other things, right? So, but it's true. We've never fought. We've never raised our voice. We've never stormed out. Like, we just have this beautiful, and I give most of the credit to her because she's so well emotionally regulated. She's so well developed and all that. But here's my point. To answer your original question, fulfillment's a formula. It's a formula. There are variables and yes, we're all different. We all have different cultures and different parents and different backgrounds and different countries and different, you know, economic status. But fulfillment is a formula. And you can be fulfilled. You just have to optimize for it. And you have to be in alignment with your calling. And the only way to know if you're in alignment with your calling is, am I fulfilled? From zero to 10, how fulfilled are you? If your answer is 10, Holy crap, you're in alignment. Wow. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> if the answer's not 10, which by the way, it's probably not, probably it's eight. Not. Okay, what's the delta? What's going to get you closer to 10? Mm -hmm. Fulfillment and regret are my guardrails. When I have a regret, that is the soul's recognition of misalignment. It's saying, hey, Alan, hey, Alan, maybe, just maybe, you that was outside of alignment with your core values or your core aspirations, right? You aspire to be fit this summer. You skip the gym. You feel guilt and shame and remorse. Okay, instead of wishing all that pain away, you're supposed to contemplate, you know what? How can I make sure I go tomorrow? Your relationship with regret, regret can guide you. You just have to, don't live in it, don't dwell in it, don't dig a hole deeper. Yeah. Use it as your guide. When you're fulfilled, double down. Why am I fulfilled? Okay, I'm going to do more of that. Excellent. Okay, find the sweet spot. When you regret something, everyone right now, think of a decision they made in high school. Okay, I've got one. I was 16 years old. Lost my virginity. Dumbest decision ever. Barely even knew this girl. Okay, I would never do that again. Worst idea ever. It's okay. I was 16. I was a dumb teenager. Okay, why would I never do that again? I'm now more aware of the long-term consequences of what could have gone wrong. Yeah. Fortunately, nothing went wrong. I'm really grateful. But I would never do that again. Why? Because I'm now more aware. I'm now more responsible. I'm now more hyper-conscious. I'm now more erudite. I'm now more aligned. So don't wish your whole past away. Very last thing I'll say about fulfillment is this. I'm 33. I reread the book of the first 32 years, and then I reinvested all the lessons into the 33rd year. That's what I'm doing right now. 
-hmm. My girlfriend asked me when I turned 33, she always has these great questions. Best coach in the world. She said, what are you going to do differently in your 33rd year? And I said, I'm never going outside of alignment again. I said, persons, places, things, and ideas that are outside of alignment? The answer is no. I podcast, I speak, I train, I coach, and I consult. I don't do anything else. You need me to fix your car? The answer is no. You need me to garden? The answer is no. You want me to go to a backyard barbecue on a Sunday? The answer is no. Don't even ask, right? I'm here to maximize my potential and to help others do the same. And if it's not in that lane, don't even ask. I'm about to say no to a bachelor party I just got invited to. I said no recently to someone who wanted me to be his groomsman, respectfully. I might not even go to the wedding, never mind the bachelor party. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer going outside of alignment with my mission. I realize in hindsight that was a mistake, and I'm glad I woke up at age 26. If there's one part of the podcast that you replay, listen to the fulfillment section. <laughs> I mean, that was like money, so money, um, so many moments. I, I know I'm going to replay back a lot of what you said. Um, so I have a lighter question because I know that you've done a lot in life and you're only 33. It's still young. What's something that's on your bucket list? Ooh, seeing the pyramids. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I want to see the pyramids. Yeah, I think that's there's something about and and the pyramid of fulfillment. There's so many reasons underneath it. Um, all of our frameworks are pyramids. Even even the business Emilia and I started. It's called the We. It's a pyramid, and there's two little pyramids within it, mm -hmm. and the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And there's a true north at the top, our logo, and there's the feminine pyramid and the masculine pyramid, and so you know, we each have our own mission, but then when we met each other, the mission got even bigger. Yeah. And so now we align to that. And so, yeah, the pyramids, I got to see the pyramids, you know, Brilliant. they've oh, I've always been so drawn to them. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully at night with the stars too. It has to, you have to, to. got to do it. Self-limiting beliefs. Mm. Have you had one that you've had to overcome? Big time. Uh, I used to, believe in myself so much that I believed I could achieve my dreams no matter who I was around. And time always tells the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, there is now looking back, there is no chance, no chance I could have stayed in those old rooms with those people and still, you know, achieved my dreams. There's no, no way. And that was my limiting belief is that I believed in myself so much that I believed I could bring everyone with me. And not, not only that, but I believed they'd come with me. Wow. And Kevin did. Um, Kevin and I went to the same school, middle school, high school. Kevin did come with me, but um, that's not real. That's not real. They they have their own consciousness and their own path. And uh, my limiting belief was believing that everyone wanted to aspire to their greatest potential. And that is not true, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Your superpower. What would you say is your superpower? I love it. Uh, I can unlock people's potential like I've never seen before. The only person who I know who I believe can do it at the same level is Emilia, my girlfriend. Um, I'll give an example rather than just saying it. So uh, my assistant, Amy, sweetest person in the world, awesome. And she was struggling with fitness for such a long time. And she came to me and she said, Alan, the last time I was in great shape and consistent in the gym was when you were fitness coaching me. Cause I started off as a fitness coach. Then I was a mindset coach, peak performance coach, business coach, and it's evolved a lot. Um, and I said, okay, hire me. Let's do it. Right. We check in every week. Anyway, we might as well do the fitness thing. 
she has been to the gym every day from the moment she hired me. What made the difference? And people on my team even said, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you? How? How are you doing that? Because she has this spreadsheet. She tracks her weight every day and her calories every day. And she's doing a progression too. So all her lifts are tracked in this spreadsheet. And she went from not going at all to that. And I said, I know how to influence Amy. I know how to unlock Amy's potential more than Amy does. And Amy knows that. And and, um, that's why she hired me. But my superpower is unlocking human potential and creating systems that can do that. And that's actually why we're creating software. So picture like Adobe Creative Cloud for our digital artwork and digital stuff, Premiere uh-huh. and Photoshop and all that. Picture yeah. that, but for optimizing individuals, teams and businesses. So that's, we're going to be the Adobe of that. Um, I believe and I'm that. Excited. That's, that's freaking awesome. Hmm. Last piece of advice, Alan, what would you say? Um, I'll tell a quick story. I keep saying that. Uh, none of your stories are quick, Alan. <laughs> um, hypothetical story. All right. And this did almost happen to me. So that's probably why I tell it. My mom's, uh, my mom, no, this is a different scenario, but imagine a mother with a two-year-old son in the sandbox in the park. Mother runs into an old friend. The two-year-old learned how to crawl recently is very adventurous. Mother's not paying attention. Friend's not paying attention. Somehow the gate was open. Two-year-old goes into the street, gets hit by a car. Hypothetical didn't happen. Okay, didn't happen. I don't want to trigger anyone. Now, we can argue all day in this hypothetical of like whose fault it was. Hmm. Okay, the mother should have been paying more attention. True. The friend probably should have noticed. True. The person driving the car should have been paying more attention. Definitely true. But there's one thing that no one would ever say. And that's that it was the two-year-old's fault. Now, here's why. The two-year-old was not aware that cars were dangerous. And so if you've learned anything in this episode, I hope it's this. You have higher awareness now. There's no version of listening to this episode and not having at least something shaken loose. loose. With, With awareness comes responsibility. You know what bothers me more than someone... When I was 16 and made a dumb choice, it was low awareness. What bothers me is when people have the awareness and do nothing about it. If you have higher awareness now after listening to this episode, my last piece of advice is that it is your responsibility to do something about it. Someone asked me one time, what does it mean to be next level? I only ever have one answer. Only ever. Who are you and what are you doing when no one's watching? I care more about my own workout in the gym tonight, swear to God, than I do on this episode. Who are you and what are you doing when no one's watching? And if you do it then, eventually everyone will be watching. Incredible. So now everybody is asking, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Because this was like an appetizer. This was a very fortunate hour of a glimpse of what now people are saying. I want to go to dinner. I want to go to the feast. I want more. <laughs> so where can, where can they get more of Alan Lazaros? I appreciate that. That's a good analogy. I'm, I'm going to use that. No. Uh, so if you want more of anything that you enjoyed here, Next Level University is the place. So we're on every podcast platform. We are on YouTube. 
Uh, we also started a podcast called the Conscious Couples Podcast. If you're having challenges in your intimate relationship, which if you're in an intimate relationship, you are probably having challenges. At, at least it could be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the Next Level University podcast in the show notes of every single episode. We have 850 of them on YouTube and every podcast platform. My information is in there. My Instagram's in there. My email's in there. My LinkedIn, I think, is in there. Between my assistant and I, we get back to everyone still. And so I want to keep that up to the best of my ability. So please reach out and um, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm so grateful. Alan, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. This has been one of the most enlightening parts of, I was going to say day, but literally week, month. So I, <laughs> I very much value energy, intelligence, and meaningful conversations. And this is certainly all, all three, all three cylinders. So I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a wonderful interview and you have a wonderful platform. And definitely keep going because I see a lot of success with this show for sure. And I and I do not always say that. <laughs> I, I, when you said you were direct and honest, I didn't yes. doubt that for a second. Okay. So that means Perfect. a lot to me. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Holy cow. That was one of the richest episodes that I've done. Alan Lazarus is brilliant. His his authenticity, his honesty, his intellect, his experience. Are you kidding me right now? Stop being ridiculous. 33 years old and has accomplished what sounds like double the lifetime worth of things. And I'm not talking about just the accolades as far as having the the financial benefits the business growth the multiple businesses the relationships talking about the relentless pursuit of excellence and learning i i was in awe <laughs> just listening to him and that is the fortune of being here because it's like me being in school right alongside with you the guests that come on the show truly are have inspiring stories and can teach us so much i truly believe that there is something that you walked away with a gift today so here's what i'm going to leave you with because i could sit here for another hour and go on and on about reflecting on, on this episode fulfillment that was a thematic theme i knew it from the beginning i felt this energy around it i didn't know it was going to be as big as i thought it was when he talked about everything in that segment where we we defined it and and everything i want you to ask yourself what is fulfillment to you what is sustaining lasting fulfillment look like to you and on a scale of 1 to 10 you're brutally honest answer how fulfilled are you what is that delta what would it look like if you closed the gap and lived in your fullest level of fulfillment and i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it's probably not money and it's probably not material if there's anything that you've learned from listening to even one or two episodes, uh, let alone if you've been here for the journey, it is that fulfillment 
comes from within, but I want you to think about what that means to you today. Carry that with you. Talk about it with a friend or a group, whatever you need to do. This has been amazing. I I am just living in full gratitude every time I do an episode of this show, and this is exactly why I do what I do, is to learn with you to create this community where we recognize how unbreakable we truly are. And thank you for being here. Subscribe if you haven't already. Share this episode if you think that somebody else can get something from it because that is what we do. We pay it forward. So please share. You know, um, engage with me if there's feedback that you have, if there's suggestions that you have. You know how to reach me, Born Unbreakable. You can go there or des at bornunbreakable.com. I appreciate you. Remember, you are your only limit, so take action today. Tune in again next time for another inspiring episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.